China has clearly articulated ambitions to, quote unquote, lead the world in artificial intelligence and become the world's premier AI innovation center by 2030. You're listening to War College, a weekly podcast that brings you the stories from behind the front lines. Here are your hosts, Matthew Galt and Jason Fields. Hello and welcome to War College. I'm Jason Fields. And I'm Matthew Galt. Artificial intelligence is one of tech's favorite buzzwords at the moment. It's supposedly being built into everything from your phone to your dishwasher. And, of course, the military is all over it. But what does it look like in reality, and how scared should we be? To help us answer these questions, we've asked Elsa Kania to join us. Elsa is an adjunct fellow focusing on technology and national security at the Center for New American Security. So thank you very much for joining us. Uh, thank you. It's great to be here. I always like to start off with the basics, um, and I think you can't get much more basic than what what do we mean when we say artificial intelligence? So that actually isn't a basic question, unfortunately. There can be a lot of debate or a lot of conflicting definitions over what AI is and means. And the joke, I suppose, is that the bar for what constitutes AI has always moved up whenever it starts to work and be more integrated into our lives or devices. But at a basic level, you could define artificial intelligence as sort of the use of algorithms to learn based on data or sort of the notion of machines having intelligence. And certainly from the 1950s to now, the understanding of what that is and means or could uh could imply going forward has evolved considerably, but certainly that a lot of what we're seeing today that is characterized as artificial intelligence is machine learning, particularly deep learning, and which essentially involves the use of algorithms to learn based on often massive amounts of data. And that can be a very powerful tool in many respects, but also one that can be quite limited in terms of the fact that the data used to train these algorithms, if it's skewed or unbalanced in certain respects can impact their results. And and at least for now, as many experts have pointed out, despite and beyond the hype, AI is still very limited given this reliance upon the availability of massive amounts of data, sort of the degree of brittleness or inability to adapt to unexpected circumstances. And in addition to the number of vulnerabilities we've seen in terms of the potential for algorithms to be uh, spoofed or otherwise manipulated. So certainly AI is a very powerful, very powerful concept, a very powerful technology and one that means many different things. And whether you're talking about uh, particular types of algorithms in use or or some of the specific applications in play, it could really transform or enhance everything from the products and services we use in our day to day lives to enhancing economic growth to having tremendous potential in a military context as well. So not a basic answer there, but uh, and I and I could go on, but I'll stop there for now. Well, what are some of the military applications of all of that? So certainly, uh, if AI is indeed like electricity and could electrify, cognify, or intelligentize just about everything, then the military applications are quite quite far-reaching and ranging from those that are 
uh, more near term and more incremental, perhaps, in their impact to those that could arise in the longer term and be more transformative. So certainly a lot of what has arisen so far has been the use of techniques and technologies like machine learning and computer vision to enhance intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance capabilities. So, for instance, what the Department of Defense is pursuing with Project MAVEN. And I think certainly also more incremental has been the focus on introducing higher levels of autonomy into unmanned, rather uninhabited systems, everything from more autonomous uh, drones to the notion of swarm intelligence or the ability to construct a swarm of hundreds, even thousands of units that could could be quite impactful going forward. I think uh, beyond that, uh, there are a number of supporting functions in a military context in which AI could be useful, such as logistics, uh, predictive maintenance, and otherwise, even, even a lot of the basic management functions that can be cumbersome and unwieldy in certain cases. And I think uh, looking forward, I think, uh, I mean, certainly an early frontier could very well be information operations from greater use of automation and cyber warfare to notion of cognitive electronic warfare, enabling more sophisticated capabilities within within that domain. And I think that's also something we'll see uh, from use of AI and cybersecurity products to potentially greater automation and cyber operations. I think we'll start to uh, become uh, more disruptive in these domains in the year to come. And I think uh, looking forward to the longer term, the notion of AI weapons or lethal autonomous weapon systems. And again, we could we could talk for the whole podcast about how those might be defined, uh, to what extent they are being developed and what their implications may be. But the notion of a weapon that can uh, select and choose its own targets or the notion of a sort of deeper weaponization of AI in that sense is something that is provoking a lot of the concerns and anxieties about killer robots or the Terminator. And certainly that's, you know, that though it's can be debated whether whether that sort of autonomous weapon has existed for decades or or whether it may never exist, depending on how you define it and set the threshold there. I think I'd, I'd also add that in looking to the future of warfare, one of the applications that could be quite impactful is the notion of applying AI to command decision making, to enable decision superiority in the battlefield, whether in terms of battle management or enhancing situational awareness in ways that could support uh, support and enhance decision making, and certainly all of these applications, in addition to many more that I have not mentioned or have not imagined or that have not yet emerged as potentially impactful, uh, are being pursued by a range of militaries around the world at this point, from the U.S. to China to India to Israel to many more going forward. So it sounds like it's going to change. It's possibly going to change everything in ways that we are not even fully aware of yet. Yes, and I think the only certainty is that there is a tremendous uncertainty at this point about the trajectory these technologies may take and the ways in which they may have potential impact or potentially major limitations when applied to the context of national defense. And I think a major, major factor as well in terms of their in terms of what this means for the future of military power, the future of warfare, is how different military organizations will decide to adopt and utilize these technologies. And some may be more open to embracing that sort of disruption. Others may be more resistant, whether for 
bureaucratic reasons or due to legal, ethical, and moral factors. So I think certainly there will, there will be a tremendous amount of variability in terms of what the AI revolution, so to speak, if, if it does materialize in the ways in which many are expecting, you know, in terms of what that will mean for different militaries and for future military competition. Can I ask you about a specific scenario? Sure. Did you, there was maybe about a month ago, a report that came out of the Rand Corporation about the use of AI possibly destabilizing uh, essentially mutual assured destruction. Did you happen mm -hmm. to see that? I did. I think it's a, a gr great start to thinking about the implications of artificial intelligence for strategic stability. And I think certainly there are real reasons for concern there in many respects. And I mean, certainly one example that I would give in the context of the Chinese military that actually surprised me a bit was a an account that came out, and I'll caveat this with, uh, this was reported in the South China Morning Post, which is based in Hong Kong and owned by Chinese tech company Alibaba. And sometimes, sometimes reports would not be characterized as techno-propaganda or a little bit, a uh, little bit hyped, a little bit exaggerated in certain cases. But this particular article talked about the use of AI in Chinese nuclear submarines. And the article did not specify whether that meant nuclear-powered or nuclear-armed in this case, and talked about the potential for AI-augmented brain power to enable major advantages in undersea warfare. And then another quotation from a Chinese researcher later in the article alluded to the potential for essentially the notion of killer AI nuclear submarines with enough weapons to destroy a continent, or something to that effect. So I think certainly that sort of account should be taken with uh, some degree of skepticism, but I think something like the, that something for which there is robust research underway, underway in the Chinese defense industry, such as the use of convolutional neural networks for acoustic signal processing, or at a basic level, the application of machine learning to enhance ISR in, in submarines, I think is quite feasible and may be underway. And I think the question would be sort of as as AI in different forms or as higher degrees of automation start to be integrated either into nuclear platforms or into some of the supporting ISR capabilities, what does that mean in terms of some of the risks and threats to nuclear and strategic stability going forward? And I think uh, beyond a clearly nuclear context, even the potential for the intelligentization of the future battlefield to use the term that the Chinese military has started to, uh, to has started to apply to AI-enabled capabilities, even, even that trend, if you have more precision and more power in conventional weapons, that could also be destabilizing to the military balance and to current uh, deterrence. So I think there's a really a range of issues that may arise with the, with, with these, the development of multiple military applications of AI. And I think it's a, open question of the extent to which different militaries may be comfortable with applying them in support of their nuclear arsenals. Russia seems to be considering a more forward-leaning posture in that regard, perhaps, even with notionally having unmanned platforms to deliver nuclear payloads or fully automated platforms that the Chinese military may, for instance, try to leverage AI in different forms to support some of its early warning and strategic capabilities. But I think certainly the thing, this is a issue I think that merits early consideration given the stakes in play here. Does that 
from what you're saying so far, it sounds to me, and I know I'm this may show a lack of sophistication, but that AI is mostly being used to improve existing weapon systems, to make them more accurate or to make human decision-making more simplified. In other words, offer, you know, uh, a drone would say, yeah, I actually think that's Osama bin Laden, as opposed to giving less specific information like there are two people in this compound. I mean, is that kind of what artificial intelligence is really about at this point? It's not about new weapons. It's about refining the ones that are already deployed? Uh, yes, I'd say that at least in the near term, a lot of the capabilities AI in various contexts promises to deliver will be more enabling and enhancing or supporting existing missions and operations rather than you know, radically transforming them. So I think certainly we've already seen a wide range of unmanned systems across all domains of warfare, adding greater... Adding higher levels of autonomy could certainly increase the, increase their capabilities going forward and and also enable them to operate in denied and contested environments, which I think is where a lot of the relevance comes in that in so far what we've seen primarily with military drones or or remotely piloted aircraft has been that they do despite the name unmanned they do require human involvement, often a considerable degree of it and if we're thinking about future great power competition and the potential for a heavily contested battle space in which those sorts of communications may not be survivable, then having having autonomous systems will will, will be a major value added in that case. I think certainly uh, certainly if you think about uh, kind of moving from precision weapons to incorporating more AI-like technologies. Uh, which is computer vision, automatic target recognition that is more sophisticated into cruise missiles, which is something that the Chinese military is working on that uh, certainly, en again, enhances capabilities and enables more flexibility in their employment. So does China in particular, which I know is an, a real area of study for you, does China pose a particular threat? Are they um, – and actually the other question I have is because – yeah, from the way things are. Hey, sleepyhead. Why so sleepy? Oh, it's because your mattress is a bag of potatoes and scrap metal. You should try a Nectar mattress. With award-winning layers of comfort, you can sleep easy knowing you got incredible value. Mattresses start at just $499, and you get hundreds of dollars in accessories thrown in, as well as a 365-night home trial and a forever warranty. Go to Nectarsleep.com. Reported here in the United States, we're constantly accusing China of stealing tech rather than developing its own. In the case of artificial intelligence, is that also a charge that's been leveled? At this point, to speak of China's rise in artificial intelligence has almost become a cliche, really. And I think certainly over the past couple of years, this trend has drawn increasing attention as China has started to surpass the U.S. and by metrics such as the number of patents or publications, we've also seen, and this has been a major source of con source of concern in certain respects, that China has clearly articulated ambitions to quote unquote lead the world in artificial intelligence and become the world's premier AI innovation center by 2030. 
So certainly the aspiration is there for China to emerge as a true powerhouse in AI and to leverage its to leverage its potential across a range of applications, everything from enhancing everything from enabling China's economic growth to accelerate and overcome the middle income trap that would otherwise result in poor that could otherwise result in poor economic performance in the years to come to pursuing a range of applications that support the security of the party state such as AI and policing censorship surveillance and also to looking to AI in a military context for a range of national defense applications the US is still clearly in the lead in terms of at least for now in terms of cutting edge research and next generation algorithms remains to be seen whether China's future trajectory in AI will le- will really live up to these ambitions and the potential that it does have based on likely availability of top talent going forward if these educational initiatives pay off the ability to leverage massive amounts of data that, and including the fact that China may have by some estimates 30% of the world's data by 2030 and also the ability to leverage uh close relationships and partnerships between the government and the private sector and between commercial developments and and defense applications in recent history some amount of chinese defense innovation has clearly been driven by both licit and illicit means of tech transfer ranging from ranging from targeted acquisitions to outright intellectual property theft whether through cyber or through human means And I think that uh, increasingly uh, the Chinese government and military are seeking to progress beyond that and not merely to be a fast follower that is trying to rapidly adapt and introduce these technologies in order to catch up but increasingly instead aspiring to really become a leader and pioneer and to pursue truly original disruptive innovation in artificial intelligence and other critical frontier technologies such as quantum communications computing and sensing as well how advanced do you see this stuff getting you've written about something called the battlefield singularity before can you explain that concept to us sure so i suppose to start battlefield singularity was the title of a report that i released through CNAS Center for New American Security last november and that was really my attempt to hopefully create a foundation based on some of the research I've done so far for understanding the national defense dimension of of China's emergence as an AI powerhouse and looking both at the broader context of Chinese AI plans and also more specifically at how the Chinese military thinks about artificial intelligence in the future of warfare and some of the applications under development by different institutions from academia to the Chinese defense industry and otherwise. So I chose the title Battlefield Singularity in part because I wanted to have something a little bit more creative than something something dragon with Chinese characteristics. Wanted to hopefully come up with something a little bit catchier that I thought would be evocative of some of the trends I was describing and although I think the whether and at what point we might see a real singularity in warfare is something that is far too soon to say and will be continue to be debated in the years to come or even what what that would mean if ai reaches a point where it does start to surpass humans in a 
range of contexts, as we've started to see from chess to go and beyond. But in certain Chinese uh, writings from, for instance, defense academics or strategists, I started to see a major focus on the impact of AI on command decision making and even the notion that as AI becomes more pervasive on the future battlefield and as military operations become more complex and occur at speed perhaps beyond what the human mind can keep pace with, we may see a shift in the character of conflict, so to speak, at which uh, unmanned systems, robotics, AI-enabled systems are much more at the forefront and humans are not quite so directly involved in decision-making. And this could this could be considered and has been characterized as a singularity of sorts on the battlefield, a point at which uh, the role and involvement of humans starts to change in fairly fundamental ways. And one question that is often asked of me is whether or not I think the Chinese military is likely to take humans entirely out of the loop. And I think there are reasons to be skeptical of whether given aspects of the Chinese military's command culture and organizational dynamics, whether they'd be willing to do so, given a preference for highly centralized control and unwilling to grant autonomy, so to speak, to lower level personnel and a characteristic uh, control of strategic capabilities, whether that be nuclear, space or cyber, directly under their central military commission. So I think there are sort of aspects of how the Chinese military thinks and operates that may make it less likely to be comfortable with uh, having humans less involved in decision making or the delegation of sorts that that would involve. But at the same time, I think at least some of the more speculative future looking writings I've seen do, again, raise this notion of a singularity, if that's the right word, so to speak, or really just a point at which AI takes on a much greater role in decision making and alongside whether augmenting, enhancing, or perhaps at some point even replacing commanders. And I think that a lot of the debates in the U.S. and the knee-jerk reactions against the notion of taking human out of the loop don't seem to be quite as intense or salient in China. So I think certainly if there were a point at which a major advantage could be gained through through a more automated or autonomous approach to operations, I think the Chinese military could be less constrained by the very deep uh, ethical and moral concerns that uh, the U.S. military may look to, or at least that have manifested so far in a lot of the debates we've had on these issues in the U.S. Well, so... This conversation honestly makes me wonder, uh, are we talking about Skynet from the Terminator becoming real? Do you see that as, uh, is that something we need to worry about? So there are a number of those who are concerned about killer robots. You can watch the Slaughterbots video, for instance, to see one dystopian vision of how these technologies and capabilities might pan out. Or a lot of there's also a lot of talk of a Terminator scenario, but certainly, again, the only certainty is uncertainty about how these technologies will develop, and I think their tremendous limitations in terms of brittleness and vulnerability could also be also be a major impediment to their adoption by militaries going forward. But I think certainly 
given how rapidly these technologies are developing and evolving, I would say nothing is impossible. But personally, I am more concerned about some of the more immediate risks rather than more long-term sci-fi-like scenarios that I think also may merit real concern and real consideration at this point. But I think I'd first look to some of the basic questions that arise with human-machine teaming or human factors. For instance, in the U.S. military's history, with highly automated or autonomous systems such as the Aegis or Patriot, there have been a number of incidents and accidents that reflect just how difficult it is to operate systems with that degree of complexity. And even if at face value, having an autonomous or AI-enabled system may seem to imply that it's easier for humans that you just uh, sort of sit back and let them operate, I think the reality is that the introduction of these technologies will place a range of demands on those who are using and working with them and perhaps require new approaches to training or a higher level of technical proficiency. So I think certainly for we're all militaries looking to adopt and operationalize and operationalize these technologies. There will be major challenges to begin with, the starting uh, resulting from that complexity. The sci-fi-like risks that may arise in the more distant future are, I think, could could, could materialize someday and are, are worth perhaps looking ahead to consider now. But I think I think certainly uh, prioritizing some of the very real and immediate concerns that we're already starting to see have an impact around the world uh, would perhaps be a better place to start. Okay. Thank you very much, Elsa. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's show. I want to say thank you because we've been getting some really good feedback from listeners recently. For example, people especially like Matthew's episode on occult ideologies. We're going to poke around and see how to fit more shows like that into our stream. You can always get in touch with us in a couple of different ways. One, review us on iTunes and tell us what you like. You can also get us on Facebook at facebook.com slash warcollegepodcast and tell us what you want to hear more about. War College is incredibly important to Matthew and I. We do it because we love it. So... Help us get the word out if you love it, too. The show is me, Jason Fields, and Matthew Galt. We'll be back next week.